Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. Uh, we're looking in the book of Titus, the first chapter. And Paul has just given a, a beautiful salutation saying, Hi there. I'm writing to you, Titus. And he's reminding him, remember in the fifth verse of the first chapter, we looked at this last time. So let's go through this real quickly again to set the context for what follows next. Paul reminded Titus this, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And so you start seeing um, that he's appointing leadership. Okay, and then he gives some uh, direction as to that. You know, what are the characteristics of one's a leader? And you see all sorts of phrases. You see elders, you see bishops, uh, you see deacons, you see all these terms uh, in Scripture. Some of them are somewhat synonymous. Here, elders just simply means someone who's older type of thing. But it, it, the idea is carrying the idea that they're older in the faith. Verse 6, he says this, namely, if any man is above reproach, that means they're blameless, Okay. The husband of one wife. Now, again, blameless doesn't mean that they're perfect, but it's, it's a court term, that they're not accused in court, that uh, uh, nobody has come against them. They're not liable under a judgment or anything. That doesn't mean if somebody uh, winds up getting sued. I remember that happened to a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he was so distraught over this because I'd actually been with him for a year or two. And uh, he called me one day, and he'd been served some court papers by a, uh, a church member. Well, the reason was this. The pastor's son, who was like 19 years old, had had a car wreck about a year or two before. And the church member's daughter had been in a car, and she had been hurt. She got Her face had been cut up and some things like that. And so they'd had surgery, and the insurance had paid and everything. But uh, the insurance company had to sue the pastor's insurance company to make sure that they would continue paying because you know, there was going to be two or three more surgeries needed. So you understand the logistics of man, stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about right here. He's talking about someone here that isn't going around being disruptive and getting into those type of situations on purpose. So he's above reproach. He's blameless. The husband of one wife, and the last time we talked about how that literally carries the idea of a one-woman man. He has faithful children, children who believe. He's not accused of dissipation. And that idea of dissipation, we often say, oh, that's drunkenness, you know. Um, well, that is. It carries the idea that he uh, uh, doesn't lack self-restraint. If you do lack self-restraint, then, then you're one who's into debauchery and that kind of thing. And that's the, he says, we don't want that. But it actually has even more than that to it. It, it's, it speaks to someone who doesn't have an extravagant lifestyle. Yo-oh! Okay, an extravagant lifestyle. One who squanders, okay, is one who's described in this way. And you don't want somebody like that as an overseer or as an elder in the church. He calls him elder right here. Now watch this. Verse 7, he continues on. Oh, last one of verse 6 was uh, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. The idea that they're acting unruly. Then verse 7, for the overseer... The King James uh, uses the term for the bishop, okay, the escapolio, the bishop, the one who leads. The overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Now, of course, man comes along and superimposes his interpretation. That means they must tithe. They have to give this amount. No, that's not what it means. We are God's steward in everything that God has granted. And let's just start with life, okay? 
if we're not stewarding life, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I had some fun a while ago. Oh, me. At the time of our doing this right now, I'm, I'm in a local situation right now where they uh, celebrate Lent. Okay? They celebrate Lent. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked in to Sunday school class a while ago, and I was walking through it because I had to put down uh, some equipment in the sound room, so I had to walk through there. And when I walked in, first question out of their mouth, what are you giving up for Lent? And I looked at them. I didn't say what I was really thinking. Okay, thinking right there. I'm not going to tell y'all either. But I looked at them. I said, uh, I'm not giving up anything. And I just kept on walking. And I went to the sound booth, and I put everything away, and I came back, and I had to walk back through, right? I walked back through. Well, the teacher had sort of picked up on that and was going in the right kind of direction with it. I said, no, here's the way I'm thinking. If it's something I should be giving up for a season, why am I doing it anyway? And this was a group of young people, and they just sat there and stared at me, and I walked out. <laughs> okay? Are we being God's stewards every day, not just being in an organizational seasonal reminder of something? Okay? But are we being above reproach as God's steward? And then he actually gives in mind, you know, I probably won't be able to get him through all these. I thought I would. There's three verses here, verse 7, 8, and 9 that tell what he's supposed to do. So let's do this, okay? Let me just read verses 7, 8, and 9, and maybe in the next episode we'll go back and break it down a little bit. But I just want you to hear as it flows what is required. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that they will be able to both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Tell you what, let me just bring out that last point right there, and then we'll pick up the rest of it in later times, okay? This person, this overseer, must be able to exhort in sound doctrine based upon the word, holding fast to the word, and to refute those who contradict. I think we have way, 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 as a matter of fact, I know we do, way too many people who are in overseer, bishop, elder, leadership positions, who do not hold fast the Word of God. How do I know they don't hold fast the Word of God? Because they don't know the Word of God. They don't speak the Word of God. If I see somebody and they teach and they preach and they claim to be this, and only time I hear them speak of the Word of the Lord or I hear them speak of the ways of the Lord is when they're in behind a pulpit or a lectern. If that's the only time I hear it, I'm going to be very, very careful in what what you say, okay? Those kind of people usually are not able to exhort in sound doctrine. Now, what they'll do, man, they will default on denominational position. (laughs) They'll sit there and say, oh, well, we're this, we're this. This is what we believe. And if you just sort of push them a little bit and say, well, yeah, show me the scripture where that is, they have no earthly idea. And then most of the time what they're claiming to say, well, yeah, the denomination believes this, they don't know if they really believe that or not. They're just trying to get out of the situation. They're just trying to bail out, trying to save face, and trying to look like they know something. This overseer, these elders, these people must be able to exhort in sound doctrine. So you're exhorting, remember, exhortation. Uh, remember my, my definition of that? That's when that football coach grabs that player by the face mask and it shakes it. Get out there. Get out there. You can do it. And kicks him out there on the field. That's exhorting in sound doctrine. But not only that, to refute those who contradict. 
that side we are so weak on because we say, well, we don't want to judge everybody. Well, we don't want to make them mad. We're afraid they won't come to church. No, 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 folks. If somebody is contradicting the word of God, then we have a role and responsibility, everybody does, to speak forth the truth to them. These overseers, these elders, absolutely must be able to refute those who contradict. Well, how do you refute somebody? You refute somebody with sound doctrine. You refute them with the truth and the Word of God. For the most part, those in these kind of positions, uh, particularly in denominational churches today, you don't see it at all. You don't see it at all. Uh, I would be hard-pressed to name... Uh, three or four folks that I know right now who I know exhort in sound doctrine and are able to refute those who contradict and do so by holding fast the Word of God. I know a lot who want to be able to do that and who are learning how to do that. Hallelujah for that. But I know very few who actually do it day in and day out. And that's a sad state of affairs. Anyway, I tell you what, we'll pick this up next time and go back and look at sort of the uh, negative things, that, the things you're not supposed to do, and then the things that you are supposed to do and the characteristics that are supposed to be there in these overseers. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you then. Goodbye.